Welcome to the Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates interview series on radio and podcast. The show covering all things health, wellness, culture, and more. The show for all of us who aren't old, we're better. Each week, we'll interview superstars, experts, and ordinary people doing extraordinary things, all related to this wonderful experience of getting better, not just older. Now, here's your host, the award-winning Paul Vogelzang. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and welcome to the Not Old Better Show Smithsonian Associates interview series on radio and podcast. We are bringing you yet another captivating Smithsonian Associates episode that combines the richness of history with the relevance of today's world. Today, our Smithsonian Associates journey takes us back to the pinnacle of the Roman Empire, an era marked by unprecedented prosperity and peace under the reign of Marcus Aurelius. But Amidst this golden age, a shadow loomed, one that would shake the very foundations of this mighty empire. We're talking about the Antonine Plague, a pandemic so vast in its reach and impact that it's considered the first of its kind in human history. Joining us is Smithsonian Associate Colin Elliott, an esteemed historian and author of the riveting book Pax Romana, The Plague That Shook the Roman World. Through his meticulous research and compelling narrative, Eliot unveils the mysteries of this ancient pandemic that struck without warning, its tendrils reaching every corner of Roman society. Smithsonian Associate Colin Farrell will be presenting at Smithsonian Associates coming up, so please check out our show notes today for details, but we have a brief tease of a conversation with Smithsonian Associate Colin Elliott today, including a clip from Colin Elliott's podcast, the Pax Romana podcast, where Colin Elliott transforms complex academic material into enthralling stories accessible to all. This clip is from episode 18 called Nero, the making of a bad emperor. Nero dined with his brother Britannicus at one table. Britannicus's drink was tasted for poison without problem. This was a normal thing for all members of the imperial family. But whatever was in the cup was boiling hot. It was sent quickly back to the kitchen just for a moment to add a little bit of cold water. Britannicus got his cup back and he drank deeply. And as the family continued eating, Britannicus had found that he had lost his voice. And then he began struggling to breathe and eventually collapsed on the floor. No one moved a muscle. Everyone just stared at Nero, who was reclining back in his chair as though nothing significant happened. And everyone else in the room stared in utter shock. There was one person there who knew what was going to happen, and it was Nero. He had ordered Britannicus's drink prepared too hot on purpose, and his agent then slipped the toxic ingredient in the cooling water. And this bypassed the poison taster, and Britannicus was dead. That night would be one to remember. Suddenly, the emperor that everybody had seen as a helpless mama's boy was revealed as both a man and a monster. Agrippina had taught Nero better than she had realized. That, of course, is our guest today, Smithsonian associate Colin Elliott from his Pax Rabana podcast. Our interview today is more than just a story of a bygone plague. It's the tale of resilience, leadership, and the human spirit facing an unimaginable 
crisis. How did Emperor Marcus Aurelius and his administration confront this calamity? What lessons can we learn from their response? Elliot's insights offer a unique lens through which we can view our own contemporary challenges. This journey into the past is not just about understanding the Antonine Plague, but also about appreciating the intricate tapestry of historical research as it applies to our own future on the heels of one of the world's worst pandemics. So brace yourselves for an enlightening conversation that bridges the past and present, revealing how history's first pandemic left an indelible mark on the Roman Empire and shaped the course of human events. This is the Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates interview series on radio and podcast where history comes alive and we learn that understanding our past is key to navigating our future. Stay tuned. Colin Elliott, welcome to the program. Thanks a bunch, Paul. It's so great to be with you. Thank you. I uh, I feel the same. Happy New Year to you and yours. It's wonderful to catch up to you today. We're going to talk about your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation and your new book, Pax Romana, The Plague That Shook the Roman World. Let's, let's start there. Let's start with the upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation. Maybe tell us briefly what you're going to say and how you're going to use Zoom to engage our audience. We're all on Zoom these days. Absolutely. Yeah. The talk is titled Pax Romana, The Plague That Shook the Roman World, which, as you just mentioned, is also the title. uh, Well, I guess you didn't mention it. Let me start that again. The talk is titled Pax Romana, The Plague That Shook the Roman World. That's also the title of my new book, which is coming out in a couple of weeks. And what's going on is the book and the talk are going to provide some new answers to really some big historical questions that people have been debating for a long time. So like, why did the Roman Empire fall? And what I hope to show in the talk is that disease was pretty important in the history of the Roman Empire. So uh, for listeners that don't know, about 2000 years ago, the Roman Empire stretched from Great Britain in the West to the Middle East. It's It went from the Rhine and the Danube rivers in the north to the Sahara Desert in the south. So we're talking about huge territory, three different continents, uh, about one quarter of the global population at that time lived in the Roman Empire. And what I argue in the talk and in the book is that at the very height of the Roman Empire, this is around the year 165 AD, The empire experienced a pandemic, and I make the case that this is the first pandemic in human history. Uh, We call this outbreak the Antonine Plague because it occurred under an emperor named Marcus Aurelius Antoninus, but probably some of your listeners, Paul, will know him as Marcus Aurelius. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Up until recently, uh, historians really haven't been able to answer some of the basic questions about that pandemic. We just don't have a lot of traditional evidence. And so the talk is going to dig deep, both into the evidence that we have, um, but also quite a lot of new evidence to try to explain what really happened during that first pandemic. And Zoom, of course, enables me to share this with a huge audience. Anybody can join from anywhere. I can show them the pictures and the graphs And we can just go through in a kind of engaging and interesting way. I can also take questions and comments from people in the virtual audience, which is always nice, too. That's great. 
Thank you. I, I just I think this is going to be fascinating. I think especially on the heels of the pandemic that we all just uh, felt so so deeply. And um, I think this will just be a wonderful presentation on your part. Thanks for that overview. Maybe tell us a little bit about the Antonin plague, because I think you know you've learned so much about this. The research that you've done in, in the book is just is amazing, and I'd like to I'd like to maybe just get into that a little bit. How did the plague um, challenge the Roman Empire? You know, what did it do at kind of its peak there? Its spread, its mortality rate. Maybe give us that back. Yeah. So at the very minimum, the Antonine Plague lasted around ten years. We think we're tired of a pandemic that lasted about two or three years. Mm-hmm. Imagine a ten-year-long wow. plague. So it goes from at least 165 AD to around 175, and I have to tell you, Paul, it could have been longer. So we don't know for sure, but it could have lasted as long as 25 years. It's just that we don't have the evidence to see whether it went beyond about ten years. But to the second part of your question, how far did it spread? Um, well, whatever the disease was, and we don't actually know what disease was behind the pandemic, which actually made it pretty hard <laughs> to write a book about it. Yeah, yeah. But um, there's there's a lot we can still do. Our evidence suggests that the cities in the Roman Empire and the soldiers were probably hit the worst. So places which had a lot of cities like Egypt and Asia Minor and also Italy, but also the parts of the empire where there were a lot of soldiers. So at the time of the pandemic of the Antonine Plague, uh, the Romans were fighting wars in the Middle East and they were also fighting wars along the Rhine and Danube rivers. And uh, it doesn't appear that this pandemic was just limited to the Roman Empire. There are sources from as far away as the uh, Han Empire in China that suggest that there were disease outbreaks there. So it's pretty tempting to think that this was a kind of pan-Eurasian disease outbreak, so pretty widespread. And I think you also asked about how many people died. Mm -hmm. This is probably the most mysterious part, and it's really, even after writing an entire book on this thing, I have to say, I still don't really know. Um, Some historians think that something like 30% of the population died. Um, I don't know that the evidence, and I really tried to stick to the evidence, I don't know that it supports a number that high, but let's just say that only about 5% of the population died. But even that would be several million deaths. And if you think about that on top of just the normal causes of death as well, this was still an unprecedented disease outbreak that spread all over the Roman Empire. And how did leaders respond at the time? What 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 did they do to face this down? Yeah, this is a great question too, because uh, as I said, the um, Roman Empire, the Roman Emperor at the time. Let me start that again. The Emperor at the time was Marcus Aurelius, and he was a Stoic philosopher. He's actually one of the few true philosopher kings in really all of human history. And as a Stoic, Marcus believed that we really shouldn't live our lives in fear of pain. We shouldn't be running from Uh, death and pain. We don't know what death is going to hold for us. It's natural. And so we should live in a kind of um, in a kind of stoic way when it comes to fear. And Marcus lived by those ideals at first. 
So the very first wave hit Rome in AD 166, and Marcus was there in the city, and he was about the best leader you could possibly ask for. Now, nobody knew how to cure the pandemic, so he couldn't do anything to mitigate it. But what he did was uh, pass laws to prohibit uh, unlawful burials and desecration of family tombs. Like He's trying to remind people to retain their civility and their sense of humanity. Uh, he provided for the speedy removal of the corpses so that, you know, additional consequences from having so many bodies laying around the city wouldn't cause problems. He just kind of rallied the population in that way. But as I was saying earlier, uh, he, there was also kind of a, there were some ways in which he didn't live consistent and lead consistent with his ideals. So he was in Northern Italy a few years later after that first wave and a second wave hit. And that time, I have to say, he just kind of up and ran away. <laughs> so he just uh, he just left his friends, he left his entourage behind, uh, and he just kind of disappeared. So Marcus is kind of a um, he's a mixed bag, just like I guess some of our modern leaders are. Mm -hmm. And I think we see in Marcus that leaders are human; uh, they're prone to kind of the best and the worst that humanity has to offer. And you know, we can't expect our leaders to be perfect. Um, but at the same time, we probably need to hold them accountable if they're not rising to meet the challenge. So Marcus did face a, an unprecedented crisis with this pandemic, and we kind of see in him both the best and the worst of what a leader could be. One of the things that I found in my research of you and, and of, your, of your book, Pax Romana, The Plague That Shook the Roman World, is this amazing research. I, I mentioned this just, just a few moments ago, but... I'd like you to talk about this because you did some things that uh, you used ice cores. You you looked at tree rings, some really unusual, some things that I wouldn't necessarily have thought of about a book like this with regard to history. How did you think to do that in the first place? And maybe elaborate a bit on on what that means using ice cores and tree rings to do your research on this plague? Yeah, that's a great question, Paul. And in the talk, I'm really hoping to illuminate some of this mm -hmm. for a broader audience because we couldn't write this book uh, just a couple decades ago because we didn't have some of this evidence. But because of the new interest in climate change and kind of the history of the Earth's climate, um, we have some evidence that we didn't have before. So as probably everybody in your audience knows, uh, every year, trees make rings. Uh, and so if you were to chop a tree, uh, you know, chop a tree down, you could look at the trunk and you would see these circular rings. And what scientists have been able to do is to take some really old trees that have died, thousands of year old trees, um, and they can measure quite precisely the size of those rings and get a sense of things like how much sunlight how, what the temperature was, what the precipitation was in the year that that ring was formed. And so what I did in the book is I used some of this kind of new scientific evidence um, to kind of figure out what was going on just prior to and during the pandemic. And it kind of surprised me because what it, it turns out that there were some years before this disease even uh, struck the Roman Empire that were just meager years. Now, it wasn't the case across the globe or even across the entire Roman Empire, but in places like Egypt, uh, for example, there were some really serious uh, droughts. And Egypt mm -hmm. is kind of the breadbasket mm -hmm. of the city of Rome and Egyptian grain was used to feed the Roman army. And so what that means is, 
before the pandemic struck, we had urban populations and the military populations, which were exactly the populations that were hit by the plague, well, they were malnourished. And as we all know, if you're not getting the right macronutrients and micronutrients, your body has a much tougher time fighting off disease. So I don't want to say that the Antonine Plague wasn't serious. It certainly was. But there were these pre-existing problems that we see, that this evidence helps us see, that enables us to understand just how susceptible the Romans were to severe illness. Hi, it's Paul. Do you love entertaining, informative, eclectic, insightful programs about culture, health, science, life, and everything Smithsonian? As part of our Smithsonian Associates interview series on radio and podcast, we're introducing you to the new Smithsonian Associates streaming series. Smithsonian, a nonprofit organization, is excited to present this new aspect of their 55 years as the world's largest museum-based educational program. Join us from the comfort of your home as we periodically interview Smithsonian Associate guest speakers. Our audience here on radio and podcast can explore our website for more information, links, and details at notold-better.com. Thanks, everybody. Our guest today is Smithsonian Associate Colin Elliott. Colin Elliott will be presenting at Smithsonian Associates coming up. Please check out the show notes where we'll have links for more information about Colin Elliott, his new book, Pax Romana, The Plague That Shook the Roman World, as well as his upcoming presentation with the same title at Smithsonian Associates. So look out for that and uh, please check show notes for more details. Colin Elliott, one of the interesting things about this that that I found, in, again, in my research of, of you and, and, and your upcoming presentation, is that you wrote the book, Pax Romana, during our own recent pandemic. That must have been really interesting. And I wonder if you tell us a little bit about that, how you, how you lived through that, yet wrote about something historically so significant that really brought Rome to its knees and, for all intents and purposes, did the same. Yeah, it was something also unique that you really mm-hmm. see in the book. So I started, just for your audience, I started writing the book in March of 2020, uh, and I finished it around the middle of 2023. So it tracks pretty yeah. closely with, with our own experience. Amazing. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, so I guess as the pandemic started to drag on and I was writing this book, the thing that kept coming back to me was just how the the disease that we were all trying to deal with, COVID-19, was obviously a major part of the pandemic, but there was also kind of a broader experience that really didn't have anything to do with the disease, or it was kind of like the associated uh, politics and, you know, the relationship challenges that probably all of us were dealing with in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, we were having kind of big discussions on a community level, you know, to like a national and even a global level about things like uh, power, about safety, about freedom, about things like expertise. And it's those debates are really still with us. Like those are kind of a lasting legacy of the COVID-19 pandemic. And because of that, I started to wonder if those kinds of um, issues were happening 2000 years ago? Like, was there more going on than just the disease? And yeah, it turns out that there was. Now, uh, for the Romans, it wasn't so much a debate about things like freedom and safety and expertise. It was a lot, a lot of the concern was about religion. So 
the Romans interpreted the kinds of plagues that they had had before this pandemic, and these were like local outbreaks in a city or a region, they assumed that that was because some local deity or perhaps a, a local people had made the gods upset in some way. But what happens when you get a disease outbreak on a scale that nobody had ever experienced before? Well, for the Romans um, who are thinking religiously about this, they want to know, are there deviant religious practices? Are there scapegoats, right? What groups or group might be responsible for this? Those are the kind of concerns that they have. They start to go into kind of religious panic. And I don't think that it's entirely a coincidence that in the decades after the Antonine Plague, uh, we see a dramatic surge in the persecution of one of the most countercultural religious groups that was in the Roman Empire at the time. Paul, do you want to make a guess as to what group that was? Boy, I would imagine that's got to be the Catholics at that point in time. That's right. It's the Christians. That's right. So there's a fascinating connection uh, in the decades after the Antonine Plague with Christian persecution Mm -hmm. and uh, kind of disease and crises that were occurring at the time. These parallels are are amazing. Maybe talk for a second about what lessons the leaders learned, how that might be in parallel with some of the own le- some of the lessons that we learned during our own pandemic and and then maybe how living through a pandemic influenced some of the some of the population and and what they came away with it how they react sure paul i think so there are many ways in which you know the roman world was so different than mm-hmm. our world mm-hmm. but people are kind of the same right yeah, no yeah. matter what period in which they live. And I think what we see around the time of the Antonine Plague and in the years after is that people were scared. And you can understand why. I mean, this was a new disease. It was deadly. Uh, people really saw it everywhere. Um, but, you know, scared people don't make the best decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in a state of anxiety and panic and uncertainty, I think people in the Roman Empire just wanted something certain. And it caused them to do some things um, that were kind of outside the bounds, certainly of what we would see as ethical and moral. The Romans were were pretty scared people, and they kind of started lurching from crisis to crisis following this plague. There was kind of a whole century, really, of crisis afterwards. So, uh, you know, to get to your question, what can we learn from that? What can our leaders learn from that? Um, You know, I think we were all pretty scared during the pandemic that we experienced. And I think even when it's not a disease and that's uh, scaring us, there are other things that tend to just cause us to react in that anxious way. Um, and in our pandemic, I think there were some people and some of them were leaders in positions of leadership or in positions of expertise that kind of let their fears run a bit rampant. They probably said and did things that I kind of hope they now realize um, were mistaken. And what we don't want to do is be like the Romans, right? The Romans let the fear and the factionalism continue for years and decades. And if we do that, I think we're going to be in big trouble. Uh, It takes courage and it takes humility and it just takes a kind of stoic attitude really to move beyond a state of fear, to find, to realize that our problems are really complicated and it's going to take some real effort and kind of a group effort to solve them. People have to be willing to admit what they did wrong and they have to face consequences. People need to forgive. They have to seek reconciliation. So um, the Romans in some ways 
didn't do that. They didn't really have a vocabulary to do that. And But we do. And so I'm hopeful that we can in some ways avoid some of the mistakes that the Romans made. Colin Elliott, congratulations on, on this book. It really just amazing work and, and amazing research. Congratulations on all of this. But congratulations as well to you as uh, you are a fellow podcaster. I always like to shout out to fellow podcasters. You host the Pax Romana podcast. This just sounds fascinating to me as well. Um, we're going to have links so that our audience can find that along with, with everything else. But tell us a little bit about the Pax Romana podcast, how you're going to translate this um, to uh, kind of a, a, a podcast orientation, maybe what's upcoming in 2024. And, uh, and then have you got an interesting episode that you want to tip us off to? Sure. So I have a lot of fun as a college professor at Indiana uh-huh. University. We, yeah. have, we have a lot of fun in the classroom. Yeah. And I was just looking for a way to kind of share what we do in the classroom with a broader audience. And so I started this podcast, the, the Pax Romana podcast, P-A-X. The book is Pox, P-O-X, but the P-A-X. podcast is Pax. Pax. P-A-X. Thank you. Yep. So, yeah, so it can be a little confusing, but if you look up Pax Romana podcast, you can find me. It's a really fun podcast. We look at the, the villains, but also some of the really exceptional people in the Roman Empire, a lot of interesting personalities. So you asked me for kind of a favorite or something to – yeah. yeah, give a sense of from your to your listeners of yeah, what the please. podcast is about. Uh-huh. Okay, so one of my favorites is the story of the Emperor Nero's mother. Now, some people know that Nero was a bad emperor. They might even know the story that he murdered his mother, but not a lot of people know about his mother. She's one of the few Roman women that we actually know a lot about. She's really talented, but she's also really devious. So she, uh, I, I go through the podcast about how she escaped some abuse and exile. She works her way up the Roman social la- ladder. She was a charming woman, um, but she couldn't actually have formal political power in the Roman Empire. That was a men-only club. And so she had to kind of use her uh, charisma and her charm to get men to do what she wanted. She might have poisoned a few people along the way as well, Um, but it's really fun to take a few podcast episodes and kind of explain the background of who this woman was. So people know a lot more than just Nero murdered her mother. They have a sense as to who this woman was and kind of why she came into conflict with her own son. Sounds amazing. That sounds like a great episode. So again, Pax Romana podcast. We'll make sure that our audience knows where to find that and um, link to it and, and help promote it too. Colin Elliott. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the Roman Empire and, it, and its decline. It, are there parallels here as well with the Antonine uh, Plague? Was, was that a precursor? Did that lead to some of the fall of Rome? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I always want to be careful because, again, there are some things that are really different about ancient history and modern history. But yeah, I think what we see in the Antonine Plague is a kind of catalytic event, like an event that uh, exposed a lot of things that were previously wrong. So I already mentioned that there were some food supply issues and some climate issues. The fact also is that Rome's military was pretty overextended as well. And it was kind of just a matter of time before they stopped winning and they started to get bogged down in wars and and various conflicts and alliances and things like that. These are the kinds of things that tend to uh, chip away at empires, even when they're at their strongest. 
so, you know, I want to be careful about extrapolating too much to the modern United States uh, or the modern world scene, but it's certainly the case that the Romans, like I said earlier, just didn't learn their lessons. They 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 didn't uh, reorient their food supply. They didn't uh, until it was too late, really. Uh, they didn't uh, adjust their their military situation until it was too late. Pretty soon, the size of the empire was so big that it was kind of a prize that was worth killing for. And you get a lot of civil wars and strife in the Roman Empire. These are good lessons, really, for us to avoid more than anything else. We want to try to uh, improve on the fate of the Roman Empire and not end up in the dustbin of history. The Romans thought that they were going to have an eternal empire. And I think they were grossly wrong about that. We don't want to have that same level of pride. We got to be willing to make changes and make adjustments. And in some, in some ways, um, even rethink some of the things that we've done in the past, if we want to have a bright and optimistic future. Colin Elliott, thanks for your time. Just one final question. Again, the research is, is so significant and so important. I would imagine that there are remain some unanswered questions. And I wonder if you're going to be doing future research or perhaps what is still to be researched and what you still have as unanswered questions and how might you address those so that our audience can learn more on an ongoing basis? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'll answer it this way. So folks, if they buy the book or they uh, check out my talk, I mean, it's going to be me. My name is on the book. But the fact is, um, there is an extensive uh, bibliography. There are a lot of people that did research uh, that I am just simply barely qualified to understand, let alone do. And the study of ancient pandemics is really a team effort. And one of the big unknowns about the Antonine Plague is just what is the disease? What was the actual virus or bacteria or whatever it was behind that. Now, we have got people right now, and they're not me because I wouldn't know even how to begin to do this, but we've got people that are looking into ancient DNA. They're digging up teeth and bones, and they're able to extract uh, genetic evidence. And in some cases, they're getting genetic information about diseases. This has changed the way that we understand pandemics in the past. So for example, for the longest time, people thought that the Antonine Plague was smallpox. But because of some researchers doing this uh, ancient genetic evidence, uh, they have figured out that actually, no, smallpox is only about 500 years old. So the Antonine Plague couldn't have been smallpox. And, uh, you know, depending on what the actual disease was behind the Antonine Plague, it's probably locked in some bone or some tooth somewhere that's just waiting to be discovered. So hopefully uh, somebody is able to dig that up in the coming years and we will know even more about this really uh, unprecedented pandemic. Fascinating, as I say, unresolved mysteries, contemporary parallels, the plague's role in Rome's decline, all of this will be discussed by Colin Elliot at his upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation. Colin Elliott's been our guest today. He is author of the new book, Pax Romana, The Plague That Shook the Roman World. He's also host of the Pax Romana podcast. Again, we'll have links so that our audience can find out more information about Colin Elliott. Thanks so much for your generous time today. This is just going to be a fascinating presentation, and I'm looking forward to it too, Colin Elliott, but I really appreciate your generous time today. Paul, it was a true delight. Thank you so much for having me on. My thanks to Smithsonian Associate Colin Elliott who will be presenting at Smithsonian Associates coming up, so please check out our show notes today. 
For more details about Colin Elliott's presentation, Colin Elliott is author of the riveting book, Pax Romana, The Plague That Shook the Roman World. My thanks to the Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show. And my thanks to you, my wonderful audience here on radio and podcast. Please be well, be safe, and remember, let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates interview series on radio and podcast. Thanks, everybody. We will see you next week. Thanks for joining us this week on the Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates interview series on radio and podcast. To find out more about all of today's stories or to view our extensive back catalog of previous shows, simply visit notold-better.com. Join us again next time as we deep dive into some of the most fascinating real-life stories from across the world, all focused on this wonderful experience of getting better, not just older. Let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates interview series on community. Thank you.